And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Want an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news and trends in the NBA? Listen to the NBA Daily Ding podcast Monday through Friday. Wake up and turn up the NBA Daily Ding to stay informed on all things NBA here at The Athletic and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Athletic NBA Show. Monday through Friday on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. With Sam Sam. To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. It's <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. Hey, we don't have tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic. Here, as always, we are going mostly West Coast representatives. We got Anthony Slater out West. We have the one and only Marcus Thompson, friend of the show, friend of in life. Marcus, what's up, my guy? How are you? I am feeling like, honestly, that I was in like a gang initiation fight. Like, <laughs> tell me, my, tell whole, me why. my whole body is sore because because uh, I'm stupid and my wife told me to hire movers. But I was like, why would I hire somebody to do what I can do? Like, I, I got a couple of homies from church and I was like, we got this. I will never do that again. You know, how ever. Hold on, man. Hold on. I'm just going to put your, your age out there. How old are you now, my friend? 43. You 43 years old. You're learning this lesson. I mean, especially at a stage yeah, I'm pretty, in life. I'm pretty, I'm pretty shocked that, that <laughs> you needed this realization. I mean, you do it, it when you're come. 23 because you have to. You might do it at 33 because you have to. You, you y'all, don't y'all have heard. to. 43 is the new 30, man. Let's go. I was just like, <laughs> how much do movers cost? Because when I was looking up the prices, yeah. I was like, yeah, I got this. I mean, I talk a big game. I've never, paid, I've never paid for movers. But I mean, unless you got that. I have. Have you Slater? Was is that it? Yeah, I had to. I've had to move across country, or from the middle of the country. Right. And yeah, I'm not doing that by myself. Yeah, that's right. different. So. I was moving around the corner. Well, let me. Fred Katz, who I didn't even give the honor of bringing into the show, but our one East Coast representative, Fred. Have you? Uh, have you ever paid for movers? I will never not pay for movers. It is worth it. <laughs> I, it is Fred's worth it bougie. every time. It is worth it every single time. I if I have to, I will I will save money elsewhere. It is worth it every single time. That's the worst job in the world. Whatever they cost, they're worth it and they deserve it. It is the worst job. Congrats Some on the is, move. Uh well again, uh, get, getting into your personal life, Marcus, but you know, you guys uh you, you settling in? You happy about this? 
Am I happy about it? Of course. Yeah, I'm definitely yeah. happy about it. Uh, I just, I'm hella sore. My wife and daughter, they're happy about it. So that means I'm happy. It's it's a little chaotic right now. It's, uh, <laughs> it looked like we just moved in. But man, uh, my knees are shot. My shoulders hurt. You know, my 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 arms and legs are coming back, but they were feeling like noodles for weekends. Like, yo, it was it was an excellent. Uh, it was one of them old school workouts, Fred. You know what I'm saying? One of them like where you didn't nobody you didn't have a 24 hour fitness membership back in the day. You just did community work. <laughs> that was your workout. You know what I'm saying? So we just took it back to the essence of helping me get back in shape by starting to move. There we go. I, I was moving. Now I'm ready like to go it. get some buckets. I, I, I like I like how you signaled out Fred. Like Fred <laughs> would know about the old school work. I was like, <laughs> clearly. Oh, man. I, so, I look I like was, someone who doesn't. educate the youngster. You know what I'm saying? I was like telling Slander. him. How he used to be, no. You know what I'm okay. saying? Okay. Like Marcus, Marcus is saying I look like somebody that doesn't belong to a gym. That's what he's saying. Well, well it's, man, so. you would know about. <laughs> hitting the streets as the gym, you know what I'm saying? Doing yard work and helping old ladies. And that's, that was the workout. You feel me? That's how we did it back in the day. All right. Contrary to what it might sound like, this is not the health and fitness pod at The Athletic. Uh, far from it, at least on this side. Although, some random shout out. Will Smith had my favorite social media post of the weekend when he shared with the world that he was in the worst shape of his life and blamed the pandemic. That, that made me feel better about, about my habits. Uh, today on the show... We got talking moving. We got some relocations going on. Um, first of all, wishing all the best to Waz Lambray, who did an amazing job at The Athletic and has moved on to The Ringer. And uh, I didn't know this till a couple minutes ago. Marcus is going to be joining the legend, David Aldridge, on the Hoops Adjacent podcast now on Wednesdays. Wednesdays. Marcus is the pod king now at The Athletic. He's doing Warriors plus minus. He's doing point of contention. We got him working overtime here. And before, uh, if, you know, if, as if that wasn't enough, we got to lay out the laundry list of, of, uh, of scribe accomplishments here, Mr. Thompson scribe. Not Whoa. only are you the author of, of golden and KD warriors books that folks enjoyed greatly. Uh, you, you just tweeted out a hell of an announcement here. You, you have your new book dynasties coming out. I don't see the timeline here. I forget exactly. October when it comes 5th, out. October 5th dynasties, the 10 greatest of all team uh, time teams that changed the NBA forever. Good stuff, man. Tell us about it. Uh, Dynasties is my attempt to get my daughter to read my work. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> she she's she hasn't. She still don't know. And Golden came out twenty seventeen. She still don't know that there's a hundred dollar bill at the end of Golden. Like if she reads it, she gets a hundred dollars. Are still, you serious? Still doesn't you know. put it in there. I checked when we moved. <laughs> I was like, I bet you it's still there. Uh, right? That's amazing. She she obviously didn't touch KD. She That's doesn't a care hell at of all. A trick, man. I'm gonna steal that trick. So, so you think Dynasties is the one? She's really into just random no, NBA. She, I, she's, I mean, she's into the art. So when it came to me, it yeah, was like, yo, we want to oh, do okay. an art, like an illustration combo book. I was like, at first, I mean, to be honest, I was like, that's not really my my thing. But then when they explained it to me, I was like, all right, you know, I could kind of get down with that. And I had a vision for how I could do it. But then there was like the artist, and I was like, you know what? This might be it. She might, you know, because she loves drawing and all that. She might at least flip through the pages to see the artwork. And I was like, you know what? That that's a win. Like if I could pull this off, that's a win. Does that qual- if she only looks at the art? Does that qualify as Absolutely, reading? Absolutely, man. You know, okay. uh, you're gonna you're gonna figure this out, Slater, eventually. But man, half of parenting is just trying to stay cool and. <laughs> 
<laughs> making your kids, you know, care about you. So any little glimmer of daddy still got it, it's like life changes. <laughs> so if she flips through, I'm going to be like, yeah. Because if she flips through, you know what that means? She's going to tell her friends at school. There and if go. she's telling her friends at school, that means I'm still cool in my 13-year-old's eye. So that, <laughs> that's the game right too. there. Yeah, facts. I facts. like it. Well, I'll tie it in like this. Uh, the book itself, which is a really fun read, you were nice enough to ask me to do a little shout-out on the book. Uh, I love the format. I, I, I'm hoping you are flattered by this uh, description. But you know what hit me about it, Marcus, was it reminded me a little bit of Bill Simmons' book of basketball, but it had a cultural context and and an off-court historical element that I thought was really, really cool. You go through and you talk about these teams, but then you take a, you know kind of hit the pause button and talk about what was happening in the world during that time. You talk about the impact that different players and different teams you know had on the, on that era, and you go beyond basketball, which is definitely your style. Um, I know, you know, writers are incredibly tough on themselves, but now that you've had that cathartic experience of, of getting it off your desk, I mean, do you feel good about the, the final product? Uh, heck no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's trash. I mean, that's, <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that how we do it, Fred? Like, cut that like, out, Andrew. Uh, Producer Andrew Slick. So, cut so, that so out. far, so far on this podcast, you have, you've implied that I am a person who doesn't look like he goes to the gym. And now, and now you've said, yeah, you the writing is trash. trash. Don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you know about Absolutely. trash? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Those are the two implications. No, I'm, look, look. Neither one is Sam, true. Look. Fred's basically Arnold Schwarzenegger, and you know, and and like uh, like Fred said on a Slack channel of ours, and you're basically Robert Patterson uh, with the See, way you're, un- you're. Unlike unlike Fred, what I'm doing is I am creating this bond with Fred. So what I was saying was, Fred, you understand the feeling of writing great work, but feeling like, ah, I wish I had it back. Yeah, almost almost every piece. And you keep rejecting it, which is clear. You don't want to bond with me. Like, I keep doing this with you, and you keep taking it as a slight. When all I'm trying to, me and Slater tight. I don't have to do, maybe I'll just go to where I know I'm cool. I'll I'll just just go to Slater (laughs) from now on. But uh, not, you know, I finished it at the beginning of the pandemic and you know, the world was weird <laughs> at the time. So uh, I, I liked the concept. I liked how I did it. And now I'm just, I just don't, I'm just, I, I'm just one of them people that feels like I always could have done it better. And it's, it's right. a little nerve wracking. Uh, so, you know, you were one of the people I wanted to read it because I know one, I know you wouldn't lie to me. <laughs> but uh, apparently, two, I did. I I didn't tell you it was trash. No, that it's just that I'm feedback. not a good yeah. critique. Yeah. I'm not a good critique. I'm not a yeah. good critique of my stuff. Like no, I, it was I, good. I, it's so funny that, though too. You I'm mentioned you mentioned your daughter, and honestly, I mean, I know you're joking, kind of about not joking, but like the illustration component that you talked about. The style is very much, um, I think, kid friendly. Where if you got kids who enjoy the game. And, you know, but don't enjoy it so much to, to read 400 pages straight through. It's it's one of those books that you can pick up and put down and pick up, put down, you know, over the course of time because it's broken up the way it is. And, and you had a column on Sunday that, that kind of dovetailed into the, the book stuff from the standpoint of, you know, Dr. J recently gave his top five greatest NBA players of all time, didn't have LeBron or MJ on the list. And I agreed with your perspective on the fact that, like, regardless of what you think of Dr. J's list, one of my favorite parts of the book is it is another thing that you're putting out in, into the basketball space that reminds people what came before this era. As great as these guys now are, 
you know, don't forget about everything that came before, which I think is, is really cool. That's the part that really, like, if I took away anything from it, it was like an even greater respect for that era, for those right. eras, for those old players. And we, we only look at them from a basketball perspective, right? We see black and white videos of Bob Cousy pushing the ball around with the palm of his hand. And it's like, he can't dribble, you know, he wasn't that good. Or we see everybody right. looking six, four, they can't be that good. They can't play with this era. But one thing we don't consider enough is number one, they didn't make any money. <laughs> number yeah. two, like basketball was such this like scrappy little sport that nobody cared about. Like they built this thing. Right. Uh, and some of the components that they had to deal with in pioneer were, were so much more relevant than we give them credit for. Like, we, we, we talk about it like it doesn't matter. Like w you'll see a hip hop list, right? You'd be like the greatest hip hop rappers of all time. Somebody put Curtis Blow number five. And they used to be like, bro, you know Curtis Blow is not a top five rapper. Like, what are you doing? But it's a tip of the cap right. to a pioneer. Like, you know what I'm saying? We don't really do that in hoop enough. Like when's the last time you heard George Mikan's name? Right. Like basketball yeah. does not happen without George Mikan. It simply does right. not happen. Right. It's, I mean, how, how many people listening? Lefty layups. That's the last time when I was doing yeah, layups. Absolutely right. The, the mic, and mic and drill. Like, like it would be handball if it wasn't for George Michael. It'll be like you know some reg some little small little intramural league. Like that's what it would be if it wasn't for him. So I just felt like it was good to like learn that stuff and learn what I didn't know. And I like the idea of seeing how basketball impacted society and culture and sure. how that stuff lingers to today. For me, that was the most fun part. It happens in I other can't. sports, like like baseball. They they bring very up very much in baseball. baseball yeah. It's you know the ultimate example of that. Baseball I mean, is like the baseball is kind of the opposite. Right? Yeah. yeah, I mean exactly. people talk about oh Mike Trout could never be as good as Mickey Mantle. Yeah, absolutely, nobody's you know? ever as good as the baseball greats. <laughs> Mike exactly. Trout would just absolutely rage in that era. <laughs> Destroy. It would be ridiculous if you just destroy there. 78 mile per hour fastballs. But we talk about, oh, these guys don't throw as hard as Bob Feller when you got middle relievers throwing 101 now. Like somebody said, uh, the Grom was like, uh, was putting the year together. Sorry, gonna go. was putting the year together better than Doc Good or something like that. People went nuts. <laughs> they were like, yeah. Doc, how can this is sacrilege, Doc Gooding. Never be Doc Gooding. Like, right. Doc's, yeah, Doc's a different well, one, too, because the because that, that star burned so bright, and then that's kind of all we had was that little stretch. So yeah, well, that's touch. always the case. Yeah. I remember when Pedro right. had that run in the late 90s into the early 2000s, and people said, ah, this might be better than Koufax. And I swear, the Koufax fans were about to burn things down. It was right. over. Nothing's better than the Koufax. On, on the hoops front, my last thought here, and for the listeners, we're going to jump into all the awards talk uh, and talk about the greats of today's era, but this is kind of fun going down. We don't want to keep defending George Mikan's legacy. No, I'm actually I know. enjoying we're, this. We're breaking down everything. MVP, six-man coach of the year, all Mike that stuff. Mike Trout. I mean, I mean that Mickey was the Mantle, intent, but I'm, I'm down for this conversation the whole time. But on, <laughs> on, on the hoop side... Um, so I, I wrote that Chris Paul story recently and I'll be honest, my, one of my favorite parts of doing the reporting of that story didn't make the story, which as you guys know, is often the case was reaching out to Jerry West to talk about Chris Paul. Now, admittedly being kind of surprised that Jerry said yes, because we know how sensitive the league can be when it comes to guys from one team talking about guys on another team, regardless and, you know, kind of an offline part of the chat with Jerry. Don't they have a don't name think... for that in the league? What's it called? <laughs> it's called tampering, just like this podcast. 
<laughs> just like this podcast. I just that's a podcast expert right there. Yes. By the way, that, that is I'm just the, I mean Jerry exactly was nice and he helped. I'm not trying a little to little sis, you know. A little, yes, yeah, exactly. little George Mike and Lamb. Thank no. you, thank <laughs> you. But like Jerry, we actually talked offline about um, training, and this is in the context of Chris Paul training in today's NBA versus back when Jerry was doing his thing. And I asked him at one point, like, Jerry, what did your offseason look like? Because he was kind of making the point that he thinks guys go too hard in the offseason. And I so I said, what was your offseason like? And he just bluntly was just like, oh, I didn't do anything. Like, you know, I didn't know. Like, he, you know, these guys used to roll into training camp and do what they do because a lot of times they're working jobs in, in the summer, you know, and they're because they're making 50 grand playing hoop so you know it's apples to oranges so all right it is award time award time all right no well marcus so about uh mvp (laughs) oh i know are we starting with mvp no we're gonna go backwards uh you know these guys are kind of mvp'd out i'm not i think there's plenty to get into but we can do it on the back end of the pot i feel like the last couple weeks have been fascinating when it comes to what we thought might happen with MVP versus what actually happened. But for the sake of uh, of counterintuitive programming, let's go let's go backwards. I don't have to to drive the ship here. Which uh, which one you guys want to start with? We got six man. We got rookie of the year. We got some races going on. What uh, what say you guys? Fred gets to pick first. All right, uh, East let, Coaster. Let's, let's go. Let's go most most improved. Most improved is interesting because it's. Uh, because it's a Nick and Fred wants to talk. About I know. The Knicks. Is it that interesting? <laughs> I feel like we know pick. who's going to win. No, about? no, right. it's right. it's Julius Randall. I just mean most improved is. I mean, I figure we talk about the down ballot stuff. There's a lot of these awards are just kind of like. Are, are we going to say anybody other than Rudy Gobert for Defensive Player of the Year? There are like three coaches. We're all going to have the same three coaches for a ballot for Coach of the Year. No, no that's different. fine. We'll go most and, improved. Let's just talk Julius Randle. By the way, I think Fred, uh, Fred uh, glitched there. So there there it was. <laughs> oh, we got our, uh, our our weekly Wi-Fi Fred glitch out of the way. Fred doesn't want to talk MVP. He wants to talk down ballot most improved. <laughs> that's what he wants to talk. He wants to talk <laughs> I don't even want to talk down ballot. I want to talk. You get three places on your ballot. For I most mean, Fred. Improved. I want to talk about the, the guys who, who just missed the ballot. Let's talk. Uh, like I'm really six. thinking Andrew Wiggins should get a spot for seventh on the MIP. Yeah. <laughs> if we're talking second team all okay. defense, maybe Andrew Wiggins. Can I can I can I throw a contrarian takeout out there? Uh please. There's a greater chance than not I'm gonna end up voting for Julius Randle on this. Okay. Uh but is there Who a case for Zion? Option? Is there a case for Zion? Yeah, I mean you could like there's so many most approved you could have so many different arguments and types of you know a guy who made the biggest leap from year one to two which would obviously be zion uh you could like Jokic, couldn't Jokic technically be uh, you know a candidate so i think they're i mean yes to answer your question i you could sit here and make an argument for zion because last season we were wondering particularly in the bubble like not that he was a bust, but just it year one did not go well for him health wise and performance wise at the end of the season. And then now we're talking about him as like an emerging superstar already before his 21st birthday. So yes, to answer your question, you could make the argument. I don't know that any of us would vote for him. Though. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a good argument because I don't think we can say his struggles from last year was like a play thing. It feels more like yeah, how many a games availability play, thing. Like 25 games, right? Like he yeah, barely played. Like now, if he played a bunch and it looked like it did in the bubble, then it's like, I don't know. But, I mean, he was still pretty good. Uh, he's 
there is a jump there. I, for me, I feel like the bigger jump than Zion in play would be uh, Jordan Clarkson. Like that's a sure. that's a guy who I feel like made give him two awards. I was going to say there's yeah. another award that that we can discuss Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, we, we will discuss that because uh, uh, you know we got to give Kelly Oubre some love for the six men. I'll just Mark Thompson <laughs> is firing him off today. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw yeah. Michael Porter Jr. out there too, by the way, because okay. Well, M- one thing I want to add: MPJ yeah, is he is especially the, now the per the per thirty six numbers. Like people like to look at that and say they're kind of similar, but his defense is just so much better. His efficiency is absurd. And when you watch him with the Nuggets, his his role is so much more involved. It's not coming. Like, so much of his production last year came in kind of irrelevant minutes. Malone would kind of baby him for most of the year during the rotation. And now it's just he is he's playing consequential minutes and producing at a ridiculous level. Like, he, he's been... He's been incredible. And glitch number two in the podcast. Hey, Fred, I'm going to give a free advertisement here. I'm the recent uh, purchaser of of the Google Nest Wi-Fi router, and it works amazingly. I'm just (laughs) throwing that out there. You might want to try it. Um, There we go. There's a free ad. There'll be more ads to come. You know what's interesting about MPJ is, like, he might win it next year. (laughs) Yeah. There's there's still another level for him to get to. He might be the MIP next year. After being what second or third on the ballot this year, like he's incredible. Well, I, I'm spoiling a little bit of my MVP perspective, but shoot, this year, you know, Jokic should be, you know, the assist is going to go, I think, to MPJ a little bit because we thought Jokic was going to fall off after Jamal Murray got hurt, but MPJ stepping up the way he has has played a big part, and those guys went in nine out of ten games, and so you talk about not just the awards conversation, but the context of the standings and the playoffs and the stuff that matters most. I mean. Michael and what he's doing from a timing standpoint is just couldn't be any better. The other thing that impresses me with him, you know, cause I'm a sucker for the human dynamic with these guys always is like the relationship between him and Michael Malone is like, you know, it's like you're, you're in school and that, that teacher damn near gave up on that student that's in the back of the class and like never could have imagined, you know, that student one day being in the front row, doing all the right things, saying all the right things like the turnaround when it comes to their dynamic is huge because, you know, he was really, really tough on him for years at this point. And I think there was some doubt internally if he could get it to this place. So he's been great. Um, we shouldn't just Jalen Brown. Yeah. Uh, you know, Zach Levine, Colin Sexton. There are a lot of names in this category. I just think the Knicks success paired with what Randall's done is what gets it for him. Randall's well, it's also become such awesome. a good passer. He always had the passing there. Like when he, when he, I remember seeing him at his first summer league and he's getting the ball and going downhill and kicking the shooters. And he played so different than he did at Kentucky. And I was like, oh, this, this is interesting. And he was, he was always a really good passer, but he never totally and completely put it together. And now it's like the passing is, has been unbelievable this year his decision making within the offense amazing and he's hitting every three he takes it's it's ridiculous how much better he is well i also love the fact that most improved so like you guys know a lot of times it's like all right the guy from year two to year three and it's in the early stages we just don't see this kind of thing in year seven yeah that's that's exactly what i was thinking like yeah i remember when he was a rookie and he's playing the warriors and draymond this was like 15 maybe and Draymond's like, this dude going to be good. And he was going at Draymond as a rookie, and you were like, oh, okay, he's going to be good. 
Yo, that was like six years ago. Right. <laughs> before before he actually became good. So you you don't see that. This is almost more like a comeback player of the year award than right. uh, you know than the MIP, but that that's a pretty big gap of where Julius Randle was pretty much done. Not done as a player, but you you didn't think he would be the star to match his potential. And that's for him to hit that now after all this time. That's a that's a unique way to get MIP, I would say. Well, and we could do and probably should do at some point like a whole Knicks podcast. I've been looking at their stuff lately and it's it's so interesting, but like I thought we had one. It's called Shattered. It's, it's called, called Shattered. Okay, but how about the timing is the, like <laughs> let's crown it. It's so good. I just listened to all of it. It's incredible. I definitely recommend to the listeners. But it's also hilarious that we chronicled 20 years of negativity and dysfunction right about the time that they are are on this incredible rise. But Julius, all of a sudden, is obviously a star and a guy who can be part of a star core. And the Knicks, you know, Cap and their and their and their books are in phenomenal shape. And uh, I feel like, in terms of the narrative, that one guy who deserves a shout out on the Julius Randle front is is Scott Perry. You got the the Knicks GM who essentially was has kind of been replaced for all intents and purposes by Leon Rose coming in there, but still part of their program. I mean, Scott's the one who went out and got Julius, and and that is the number one reason. If you had to pick one, that 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 franchise is turning things around. I can't wait to see what happens. You know, if any of these free agents come their way, and this is the start of something you know more elite, uh, and it's going to start with what he's been able to do as far as Julius. It would be the second straight uh, recent Laker draft pick to get um, right most improved player. You know who got it last year? Mr. Ingram. Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram. Yep. And Can you name the last few? Probably not. Pascal Siakam got it. Yep. Victor Oladipo. Yep. Giannis actually got it four seasons ago. Um, so uh, what Marcus is saying is is right, though. If you look down that list, that was Ingram's bust out, early career bust out. Siakam, same thing. Oladipo, even Giannis finally getting it then. It wasn't like this. It wasn't a guy whose reputation we already kind of just knew. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. we all we had kind of decided on Julius Randle right. and what he was. And um, now, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the books. I'm curious with his contract situation moving forward. Um, like you said, so yeah, this is a little like Kyle Lowry. Get, remember when they didn't get uh, Kyrie and and KD, and they ended right. up signing Julius Randle, and the narrative like <laughs> how mad people were. Like this is what you. This is what you get. And Kevin went out of his way to to throw a little dirt in their direction when he was like the the Knicks ain't cool anymore or whatever his quote was. I mean, he they leaned into that for sure. Well, they're you know Thibodeau's who they really got. I'm just it's funny. I'm still looking at these minute totals and and him and R.J. Barrett one and three in the league. All right, well that's you just created Our, a segue for me. Coach Let's, of the year, yes, coach of the year. Uh, that one I got I more interested. In. I'll be honest, and I admitted this to the guys, Marcus. I I haven't done all my deep dive, you know, digging on all the awards. I know who I'm going to vote for at the top. So, but coach of the year, I can go a little bit deeper, um, and I, and I do kind of love this race because it's a little bit of an eye of the beholder kind of thing. I don't think there's. You know, any argument here that you can say is 100% ironclad. You know, Tibbs is the one where because of the stage, because of the history, and even I think because of his personal narrative, he's going to get a ton of votes and may wind up winning this thing. You know, he went from the taskmaster, which he still is, but like it wasn't working in Minnesota. The optics were terrible. Um, You know, I remember when he was in the running for the Rockets job, I did a podcast with Kelly Ego on the Rockets side saying I wouldn't 
think that he would be a good fit in Houston and, and got a little bit of blowback from kind of the Tibbs camp. And it's just things were not feeling great. And next thing you know, you know, he's the talk of the town and in the Big Apple. But how do you guys see uh, Coach of the Year? Monty Williams. Phoenix is the one seed in the West. That, to me, is more impressive and even surprising than, you know, the Knicks being the four seed, kind of in this muddled, you know, mix in the East is, it is stunning, but I just think Phoenix being the one seed is is more relevant and more impressive from a coaching standpoint. I don't know. I yeah, don't I'm with Slater on this one. Like, Monty Williams, I mean, we, Phoenix is a franchise that players openly mock. <laughs> like, they're, their ownership is ridiculed for not being able to get like how is Monty Williams doing this? And I know it wasn't this season, but how they finished the year in the bubble and how he had that team playing like informs what's happening now. Sure. He's he's doing with he's got Chris Paul looking 28. And you you know Chris Paul is not walking in respecting the dude, listening to a dude who ain't got it together. Right. Like the Chris Paul vouching that that's that's basically, a, you know, that that's an endorsement. Well, right you could argue that, that with no money means no Chris. I think that's yeah, that's what I'm saying. Fair. Like if Chris right. Paul is vouching for you, like that's, that's but not just vouching, feel. like coming like we forget, like, you know, Chris played a major, major part in getting to Phoenix. Yes, it was a trade, but he was basically the GM in that situation telling the Thunder where he wanted to go. And the money connection mattered a ton obviously they were together in new orleans i mean i can buy that it's always unfair with some of these coaching debates where certain coaches get credit taken away from them because of the leadership abilities of certain guys on their team you know and i think some people are going to look at that and maybe not vote for money because they're going to basically think that it's chris out there as the coach of the year I think I'm leaning Quinn Snyder, but I'm fine with Amani vote. Like he's he's been unbelievable this year. I think I'm leaning Quinn Snyder. It's it's uh to me the Quinn Snyder case is kind of similar as the the Dwayne Casey case from a few years ago, which didn't turn out great for Dwayne Casey, but he did win the award, where he kind of uh, overhauled the offensive identity of a team that there was so much continuity on. And I don't know, I guess there's a debate to be had over building something for, if building something from, from relative scratch is more difficult or if changing over part of the identity of a team that's already existed in its current form for so long is more difficult, but they, they just, they take so many threes. It's not like they took few threes a few, a couple of years ago, but it's just to such an extreme now so many guys there are having career years, and I think he's played a big part of that. You guys mentioned Clarkson, but Ingles is having a career year, and Mike Conley is having a huge bounce back season, and Donovan Mitchell's made a huge bump. And uh, I just feel like with with what Utah is doing right now and how cohesive they play, I I lean more towards Quinn Snyder, but it's it's really tough. Ma- Monty's done an amazing job, and Tibbs has taken a team that I just thought was going to be. Not, not a team we would be talking about at this point of the season. And, and right. now they've got, you know, their home court advantage team. So it's, it's really tough. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman as seen recently styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. 
Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Now, now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at Dell.com. Welcome to now. So admittedly, I don't know who I'm voting for yet. So you guys are almost help, you know, helping me kind of do some of the homework here. But a couple thoughts on the guys you mentioned with Monty. I think Monty also deserves credit for, to your point, Marcus, this is greater than this season. You got to go back to last season for coming into an environment with an owner and Robert Sarver, who had a lot of, you know, negativity in his recent past. They hadn't made the playoffs since 2010 and establishing a rapport with that individual. And I've talked to Robert about Monty. So they get a positive thing going with this owner who is widely ridiculed. So that's a check in the the right box. Then you have a positive connection with Devin Booker, where he invested all in on Devin right out the gate. Here's what I see in you. You know, we're going to turn this into a winner, get you on that stage. So you make the right connection there. It's relationship stuff that he just progressed and progressed and progressed. Then he does it with Chris. So, you know, I don't have any problem at all with the money vote with Quinn, similar type locker room stuff. Quinn's ability to, to, you know, not that he did it by himself, but to help shepherd that group through what happened last March. And the fact that this was a team that we thought was going to get completely broken up. You know, we obviously reported that the relationship between Donovan and Rudy, uh, you know, the people thought it was unsalvageable, all that stuff. The whole backdrop makes it even more remarkable that they are where they are, you know, because they go in the bubble, get bounced by Denver. It's heartache. It's the kind of stuff that typically leads to finger pointing and division. And next thing you know, they take it the other direction. I think Quinn deserves credit for that too. And how many of us were waiting for Utah to fulfill? <laughs> like, how many right. of us are like, yo, this ain't gonna last. You know, this is what Utah does. And they had and, contract stuff, right, yeah, Marcus? Like they had no contracts question. to figure out. It's, yeah. At this point, everybody with any kind of sanity is looking at Utah as a legit force, not like a team right. that got that gets hot early and their system works in the regular season, so it racks up wins, and then they're gonna lose. Like, right. I, I think people would be surprised if they're a first round exit. Like because they do look legit and they are playing. Uh, they 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 pass the eye test in a way they haven't before, which is which is like Fred is saying, it's unique to do with the same dudes, right? Like to re almost reinvent a team, like on like in in the middle of that same team, right? Like that's that's pretty unique because I did not believe this team at all. I'll tell you that right now, I did not. But I was like, yeah, right. whatever. We know what Utah does, but I right. wouldn't want to face them. Before we move on, can and this is not a guy who is going to get a lot of votes. I'm just curious your guys' opinions. Can we talk a little bit about Steve Nash? Because like, oh dang, I was about no. to say. <laughs> the other Steve. He, he's he's tossed some warrior out for every award. He at has. This point. He has. I don't think I don't think they're such in a the homer. For- such a homer. No, uh, Steve Nash. Like- I just think his his situation is fascinating too. Because in, in if you if you if I told you without any context and you didn't know what happened this season 
all right, the Nets have a coach. I'm not telling you who it is. And, and they basically didn't have their three stars for most of the year. At times they had two of the three stars, but at times for long stretches, they only had one. And then they're going to get to the point where they're half a game out of the top seed in the East. You know, that person would be getting some love. But with Nash, I think you got these competing forces. You got the rookie element of him being a rookie head coach. And people don't know how much of this is him versus a bunch of not even just Hall of Famers, like all-time players being on your roster, even when they're not playing, like those dudes are incredibly smart. Then you got the Mike D'Antoni thing, you know, as his lead assistant coach, I think fair or not, a lot of people look at the Nets and, and they want to dish some of that credit uh, D'Antoni's way. But how do you guys see the Nash's situation? Yeah, if you just, if you laid out games played to me, you know, you didn't tell me their record. You said, this is how many games Kevin Durant's going to play. This is how many Kyrie's going to play. This is how many James Harden's going to play. I would guess a much worse record, number one. And number two, nothing, we kind of, didn't we all predict that like there was going to be just like noise coming out of Brooklyn all year? And remember like the LeBron bump of Eric Spolstra? Like stuff like that, right. and in passive aggressive comments towards Nash. Like I'm not saying there hasn't been some drama around Brooklyn, but like none of it's really Nash related or coach related, and that's that's a credit to him. Right. He's he's done a he's done a fine job. I just I don't think he I don't think he tested uh, the playoffs. It's a playoff. Everything for that team's playoffs, and a Fred has twitched again. So hopefully, I'm <laughs> he's he's done a fine job. I just I don't think it's the level of the three guys that we were talking about before. You know, there are other coaches who have done a great job this year. I think Taylor Jenkins has done a great job. Doc this year. Rivers, Doc Rivers, Doc, yeah. Philadelphia doesn't get thrown in this conversation sure. enough. There are a lot of good coaches. I just think those are the top three for me. Like those are going to be the three guys on my ballot. I feel pretty confident. Can, All right, can, uh, we can Nate McMillan Utah. get in the mix? Can Nate McMillan? I know, <laughs> man. Nate, My I don't goodness. know. That's interesting. Not, not enough games. <laughs> yeah, has, yeah. Right. This is the uh, you know Joel Embiid rookie of the year debate. Um, has an interim ever won it? Midseason replacement? I don't think one so. Coach? That's a good question. I don't think so. That's not nice to Lloyd Pierce. I think we we should not vote for Nate for the sole fact that Lloyd tried his best out there. Um, all right, let's move on. We talked Utah and, and Quinn and everything, so I'm going to go to six man. I mean, to me, uh, it is a one a one guy race. But uh, Jordan Clarkson seems to be out front. He uh, he's part of that incredibly lethal Jazz offense that that bombs away nonstop. But how do you guys see that one? I think that uh, you. I've heard a little buzz out of Utah that Jordan Clarkson is not even the six man of the Jazz. Oh, Joey. Joe Ingles yeah, is Joe's actually a, their most, incredible. most important bench player. And I know Sam Amick is on that Joe Ingles uh, bandwagon. My favorite I believe he's Aussie. Been a, My favorite Aussie. He's been a guest on this particular podcast uh, that we're speaking on right now. I, I mean, Clarkson is the leading bench scorer in the league, and that's typically where this award goes to. But you could argue Joe Ingles is more important to winning in Utah. That's all. Yeah, I mean, Clarkson got off to a really hot start and has really just not been the same for about a month and a half. He's shooting like 37% over the last month and a half, and he's under 30% from three. It's a pretty long period where his shot has just not been falling even close to how it was at the start of the year. Like part of the reason why he was the front runner early was because he was scoring all these points and he was doing it in a, in a not relatively efficient way, in a very efficient way. And now that I think that argument has kind of fallen off. He's had a really good year. I don't know. He's not my guy. Like I, 
I think Ingles has had a better all-around year than him. Ingles, Ingles leads the league in true shooting right now. He's been not yeah. just the most efficient bench player in the league, but the most efficient qualifying player at all in the league. It's like 47 from three. I mean, he's 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 and he's not just a shooter. I mean, he's responsible for a lot of their playmaking. He runs pick and rolls for them. He's not a bad defender either. No, he's not. He like he he's like a Kyle Anderson type of player where he just like he 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 is so slow and yet you watch him defend. You're like, how is he staying in front of Paul George? How is that happening? Uh, he's Paul George hates him, by the way. I, I mean, know. That's why comes to I was going to say, he's a, he's a pretty elite shit talker too, which is my favorite part. Oh yeah. Elites. So I feel yeah. like Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles will cancel each other out. And I'm giving the award to Chris Boucher. Who probably Chris Boucher, Chris Boucher baby. Another <laughs> Warriors connection. Here it is. I mean, look at this. <laughs> Joe Ingles is. A, this is actually this is actually Joe is a, a bad look for the Warriors. Joe Ingles is a Warriors connection, by the way. What am I missing True. there? Did Start he, a they have summer league. camp? Start a Warriors yeah. summer league. Can't, and we can't. Yeah. Uh, Man, I need to write another Joe Ingles story. His story is ridiculous. Like he is not getting a lot of shine this year, but what he's done is incredible. We all forget. It's like this dude was on the scrap heap. His career was over. You guys want the top five in bench points this season? Jordan Clarkson is number one uh, with anybody. Like Fred said, he's only shooting 41% overall, 34% from three. Montrez Harold, number two. You ready for number three? Can he get his name in the conversation? Carmelo Anthony, third in the NBA in bench points this season. I don't think he's All right. Yeah, that's about six, Milton, man. Let's four, go. Patty Mills, five. Yeah. All right. Carmelo? Carmelo. I'm going with Melo for six man of the year. <laughs> Why oh. do you guys think Harold right. isn't getting buzz? Like, is it just because he just the the it's a reaction to last year's playoffs, which it really shouldn't be, because it's a regular season award. He's for not the having that. I mean, season. if you, he's not having that great. He's not having a bad season, but he's just he's not having. It doesn't appear to be making much of a difference either. Yeah, like from a team they, standpoint, it has not. It's been they've they've underperformed. It's a negative uh, storyline and negative narrative. They signed Drummond to basically like. Hop him in the rotation, which tells you plenty. Well, right. if they hadn't, he wouldn't be a six man. No, I mean, I mean, I I see people out there saying Marcus Sol needs to be playing over him, and Montrezl Harrell maybe will be relegated to DNPs when it matters in the postseason, and Davis is getting more time at the center. So, I don't know. I don't. All right, Fred's mad about no Montrezl love, but you're, we're gonna we're gonna move on here. Uh, I need some help on defensive player of the year. I think for sure Rudy Gobert. Would be my guy, but you know the the Ben Simmons candidacy I found interesting because I mean I get the fact that in today's game, you know in particular, the ability to guard multiple positions with the type of wing talent that exists in today's NBA, you know, is going to give you a little bit of an inside track if you're as elite as Ben is. But uh, I've been a little surprised by the level of noise with folks actually saying they think he could win it, um, even though it's not that much noise, but it is kind of there. I think Clint Capella uh, should be in the conversation here, but uh, how do you guys see defensive player? I think it's Gobert. I mean, he's he's the most important defensive player in the in the league, and I know there's so much talk about this is what you can do against them in the playoffs, and there are certain ways you can make them less effective. And then there's all the noise from Utah, which says, "Nah, you know, you don't. If you move Gobert to the perimeter, he's just as fine." And I think the answer is. Something probably in the middle where you want him away from the rim. He's certainly he's gotten him. better. But he's gotten better for sure. He's gotten better when you put him in space and pick and rolls. And he uses his length really well to get deflections and all that. And he's he's been so important to the caliber of their defense, which has been top five 
all year. Uh, I I like the Capella mention. He's he's been killer this year, even as Atlanta's defense has not been impressive for long since of the season. Um, Should probably think- mention the reigning defensive player of the year too, Giannis. I mean, we have this unofficial no love for Giannis rule in today's NBA because of how they got bounced last year. But you know, especially last night. I mean, he had that block on KD that was a defensive player of the year type moment. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to so much of like who you pick. If you want, if you have it down to Simmons versus Gobert, so much of it is just about what you personally prioritize in defense. Do you want the versatility of someone like Simmons who is capable of guarding one through five at a legitimately elite level? Or do you want the guy who is defending the rim and kind of your more conventional defensive backbone versus Simmons being the more modern guy and he's been he's been great i don't know if if simmons's candidacy cancels out Embiid at all or how that works because Embiid is a guy who can end up on a lot of ballots too right this episode is brought to you by Michelob ultra the official beer sponsor of the nba want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive nba prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an nba game and more Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfume, a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Yeah, I mean, that's, to me, what does hurt Ben Simmons is that Joel Embiid's argument for MVP is like what he does on both sides of the floor and the fact that he's is the Rudy Gobert for the Sixers. So then how do you have the defensive player of the year next to him if, if the defense runs through Embiid? I don't know. Easy. Easy, because it's not – rim protection is vastly overrated. Overrated? Overvalued? Overrated. Oh, it's just overrated. It's great. It's necessary. It's also overrated, like in a league where everybody's shooting three-pointers, uh, where uh, people just aren't living in the paint anymore, that skill, I mean, I'm not saying it's like number 27 on the list of important things. I'm just saying it's not number one anymore. It might be number two, number three, but if you can't, if you have no impact on preventing three-point shooting, you can't be as relevant on defense period this league is built on three-point shooting and for me that gives Ben Simmons the edge because he is going to be on the three-point shooters if you're playing a number of teams like if you're playing Utah if you're playing the Nets if you're playing you just pick the teams you got to be up against who would you rather have in that defensive matchup it's going to be Ben Simmons because you're going to have to chase some of the league's best scores you're going to have to be able to guard the line you're going to have to be able to be good in transition. And third of that is probably protecting the rim. So I just feel like what Rudy Gobert does, while he's obviously incredible and while he's obviously central to uh, the number three defense in the league, I just think, bit, first off, Philly is slightly ahead of uh, Utah, so that kind of matters. But also what Ben does is so paramount to today's game that I think it gives him the slight edge. Marcus, I can't believe you didn't throw uh, Draymond out there. I was I was waiting for the proper moment. 
<laughs> I think the argument coming out of Salt Lake City, I mean, those are all valid points. Um, really, the Quinn Snyder argument would be that the Jazz's ability to just go crazy on the perimeter because they got Rudy back there, like that's the stuff you can't quantify. Yeah. And that's the stuff where, you know, they're pressing up in the kind of way that most teams can't because that that box is checked down low in the kind of way that most teams don't have. Now, your Simmons argument, even like you mentioned in passing that the Sixers defense is a little bit ahead of the Jazz, that is pretty damn impressive, especially considering, you know, Joel's been out. You know, he's played 70% of their schedule. And so Ben being and when you know, Ben was out, like, their defense tanks. <laughs> right, right. But the Gobert thing, I do. I don't think it's like in a vacuum. I get what you're saying, but in terms of a team defense discussion, I would argue that you know what Rudy does because they do have good perimeter defenders. Those guys, they just don't have to look over their shoulder, and they you know they have the kind of security that other teams and other players don't. The presence of Rudy Gobert leads to worse three-point shooting looks. Uh, you know, uh, an opponent's shot profile is really bad when Ro- when Rudy Gobert's on the floor. I don't have the stats in front of me, but that's proven. You know, the way he he shuts off looks at the rim and and limits open threes. Um, that that is very much him. Now, I could I could take the argument from Marcus that. In, it seems like you're saying a playoff defender. If you were choosing a playoff defender in the modern NBA where you're probably going to switch all series, you would rather have Ben Simmons. Like, for example, the Warriors would rather have like a Ben Simmons type defender to plug into their type of style and go try to win a title. But, I mean, it's well, the here's same the question, right? Slater, like, for MVP, is, is this, it's a regular season award, right? And, and I'd probably I'm rather have Gobert as a regular season I'm defender. saying regular season. <laughs> I'd rather have Gobert as a regular season I, And I feel like what you guys are, are breaking down is like, if you're if you need one guy to go slow down LeBron or Kawhi, it's Ben Simmons. But if you're building a team defense, if we're drafting for the sole purpose of team defense, I'm taking Rudy. Yeah. Also, you mentioned three point defense, but even if Gobert's not the guy closing out on the three pointer, like a lot of threes are created by going inside first and then working out. You hit the paint and then you kick, and Gobert just takes away a lot of that comfort in getting to the paint to begin with. So a lot of those looks are not created. All, all. I hear is you telling me that ben, uh, that Rudy Gobert is only good because of his teammates. That's all I hear. Like he can't. No. No. Marcus <laughs> wants to know if you can lock up a point guard one-on-one. No, I'm just saying the ability, to me, the ability to put Ben Simmons all over the court it's a greater ability than protecting the rim. I like, I get it. I, I get it. But I think the idea that he just protects the rim is a mismatch. I don't think, I don't, I, but I, I mean, it, obviously he does it. We're talking about him for defensive player of the year. So by picking right. one, it's not really to de- denigrate the other. I'm just saying his primary value is protect is rim protection, which is what you're talking about, which is why uh, uh, these other guys can press up because if you drive, Rudy's there, right? Like that's, it's all centered on his ability to protect the rim. And I'm sure. saying like, that's incredible. I, I value your ability to deal with where the scoring is and the type of players. The fact that you could put Ben Simmons on really four or five guys for me, it's just, that's a, that's a uniquely incredible ability. Uh, and you're saying, yeah, I get what you're saying. Joel Embiid, uh, it's back there, but you telling me if you swap out Joel and B for a rim protector, it don't do the same trick. I mean, pick a pick a good pick a good guy. Put Clint Capella back there. Would Ben Simmons be any less effective? Jakob Pertl. Yeah, put yeah, put, yeah. Put, when put is when is Jakob Pertl getting on the ballot? Yeah, put That's anybody who could block a shot back there. Ben Simmons is not 
any less effective. You might not even need a shot block. He's still going to be effective. And I, I just feel like that ability in modern basketball is a little bit more premium. Okay, Marcus, let me ask you this. Because there's another guy who we haven't talked about who I think has deserves ballot consideration. Draymond uh, Green. Would you... Oh, my bad. <laughs> there, it there it is. I was I was going to say Bam, who, That's what who I, yes. Yes. has been awesome defensively this year, and he does everything we're like talking about match, with Simmons. Right? Yes, he's like the match. Right. He does everything we're talking about with Simmons and everything we talk about with Gobert, and it just kind of meets in the middle, you know, where he can guard everybody. He's going to defend the rim. He's going to get in passing lanes. He he, he can, can play the four. He can play the five. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The only, like, the only I think he has him, a really good case. Only only knock against him is, is he just further further far down defensively his team, right? We're talking about Gobert's team is <laughs> top, you know, because top. He, because yes he yes Bam protects the rim, but he doesn't protect the rim nah, like Rudy Gobert. No, nobody and, does. And yes <laughs> yes he's a versatile defender, but he doesn't he's not a versatile defender like Ben Simmons. No, you know, like I like. So it's like you know it's it's a it's a diet coke version of so you saying he's combined, like a, which is a he's a poor man's version of Rudy Simmons uh, of Ben Gobert. <laughs> to me, he's wah, like wah, in wah. the Anthony Davis mold, and Anthony Davis <laughs> would be in this conversation if he was healthy. But uh, all right, let, let's check these last couple boxes before we let Marcus go out and and uh, sell some books. Um, we got, what did we leave out? Oh, rookie of the year. We're saving MVP for last. Rookie of the year, the, the main question that matters is where, you know, what say you about the LaMelo ball availability question in the context of young Anthony He's Edwards back. and Tyrese Halliburton. LaMelo's right. back. That conversation. Man, he back. wasted no time going viral again. What was he on the court for like five seconds before he's throwing that underhand full court pass the other night? Uh, that dude's crazy. But I feel like Slater's got to say Wiseman just because he's got to stick with his. <laughs> I I thought that I was wondering if Marcus was going to get a Wiseman mention or Nico Mannion in here. I didn't know which one he was going to go. And Nico, baby, uh, let's go. As a father of, of redheads, I'm a big big Nico guy. All, it's all it's redheads. a it's a three it's a three player race. Probably really just a two player race. I don't think Halliburton like Halliburton's had a great season. I don't think he's in the conversation. Man, they just beat the Lakers, and that makes them the what do you call it when. You know, the, the, they have the belt. Spoiler. Yeah, they got the belt oh, without the belt. De'Aaron Fox. Everywhere Sam Amick goes in Elk Grove, Tyrese Halliburton jerseys are just sprouting in the stores. Um, I would By the way, say, best wishes to him. I hope he's okay today. They're getting an MRI on that, that knee that he jacked up last night. But go ahead, Slater. Uh, you know, it's Anthony Edwards or uh, LaMelo Ball. Uh, LaMelo Ball has the more impressive... Uh, you know, he's been the more impressive player, but Edwards has played all season, leads rookies in minutes, points, like leads them in pretty much every counting category. And Minnesota, particularly since they changed coaches, has has really kind of rolled the ball out for him a little bit. I mean, have you guys seen his shot attempts? Seven um, threes and, a game, man. Yeah. Uh, and they're not efficient. And I think the argument against him is like he hasn't necessarily been a winning player, but I've been really impressed with him. He's improved and I can I can hear the argument for Anthony Edwards over uh, Lamelo Ball, and it's based on just like pure raw numbers, like totals, because he's just played a, a large chunk more games. Yeah, I, I think it's Lamelo. Like he's he's gonna play fifty fifty something games now that he's back. Like so he's at forty three now, Fred, and it's so I'm I'm a big sucker for percentage of of schedule. So he's at sixty seven percent 
of the schedule. At That's this point, fine. Which is more than enough. I, I, more I, than enough. I care. I care right. less. I care less about games played for rookie of the year than I do for any other major award. Ah, uh, that's fair. Because yeah. rookies, rookies just aren't that good. Uh, so, so if you if you've got a guy who is so much better than everybody else, like I think Lamelo is, or at least was this year, just give it to that guy. Uh, I don't really care. You know, if we're talking about MVP, we're talking about great player versus a great player. And we're talking about the aggregate value that he brings to that team throughout the course of the season. And that matters. But for this, it's just like if there is a guy who has consistently been a really good player for one team, and then there's a guy who's putting up numbers, but was like a net negative for the first third of the season, then then I. It's just it's kind of an easy choice for me to be honest. Lamel is going to play enough. You hit that threshold where you're playing in a high enough percentage of the games, and like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm totally good with Lamelo. I'm totally confident and fine voting Lamelo. He's contributing to winning too, which matters. Yes, Charlotte's number eight seed, yeah, surprising seed. Plus, he's, he's a got hell the of other a player. Uh, he's got he's got every for every reason that you would give it to Anthony Edwards, who's the only other candidate in my book. You could you could give it to Lamelo, and and then Lamelo tops it off with the fact that they're a 500 team, which it's a little bit different. Uh, that pass at that juncture of the season with this amount to play for is ridiculous. Like you throw that when you're in Anthony Edwards situation, <laughs> when it's right. like you know you don't throw that when you're fighting for an eight, you know, a play and see. That's that's ridiculous. But he hasn't. He, Lamelo hasn't had any priceless uh, Zoom media moments. I, I might have to look at at uh, Anthony a little longer just because he didn't know who a Rod was, which was one of my favorite moments of the season. Uh, he's a great quote. Clearly, he's like he is. Anthony Edwards he is, is going to be incredible. He's uncut. He just just talks. We talk about how like Edwards is putting up numbers. He's averaging three more points than Lamelo, two more points than Lamelo, and Lamelo hasn't beaten every other statistical category. Right. In some, in some of them, you want to go advanced numbers, you want to go counting numbers, everything. You've already made your argument that you don't really care much about playing play uh, games played in this category. Then it's clearly Lamelo. Hundred percent, your yeah. opinion. So. Well, I didn't know going in. I think you guys just convinced me on LaMelo. I, I wanted to talk about the availability stuff, which is also a major, major topic on MVP, and we're going to end it there. Um, the availability angle is not – we've said it before on the pod, guys. It's it's not real sexy, but I do think it matters a lot. I mean, I think it's led to, to guys, you know, falling out of that top spot that probably would have been there otherwise, like Embiid. Um, the last couple of weeks, and I guess why I did kind of want to revisit it, it's just I alluded to it earlier, like the Jokic candidacy, I, th- I think is is wild, and he deserves so much credit for what they've done these past ten games. And what I've seen though in the narrative is like, okay, Phoenix kept chipping away, kept chipping away, and this Chris Paul MVP discussion, which again I just wrote five thousand words on him. I respect the hell out of the year he's having, but it's been a little confusing to me because I get it, I understand that that we are somewhat wired and trained to feel like a number one seed. Uh, you know, best record in the league should have an MVP candidate, like a, a candidate, fine. But the fact that Jokic was already the front runner and then he spent the last two weeks doing this, considering all the injuries they've had, and it's not just Jamal Murray. They play without Will Barton the last five games. Um, I just don't think he's given any ground in this race at all. No, he's only gained ground. Right. Um, yeah, like. 
We were talking the last. T- he did for sure, but he he regained it. And if you're alluding to, to Steph, who 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 shot his way onto the scene with 96 threes in April, averaged 37 a game, uh, I'd agree. But he did. It was exa- the one you night know what? that that night ended his MVP. Marcus, I told Slater knows this. I forget if I told you when we talked the other day. I was gonna come down to that game, and my I had you should never have like the the column angle already determined because you know it's never gonna the game's not gonna cooperate. But I was gonna go down to my first non bubble in person basketball game, where you know Dallas against the Warriors, and I was gonna raise the question of what would it take for voters to actually put Steph in that number one spot, and uh, you know, and then lo and behold, Luca just destroys him. And that narrative all in one night just kind of goes away. I want to know what your guys' list look like. Okay. It's Jokic. Uh, I, at this point, to me, Jokic is one. Right. But what's your list look I like? Think. Jokic and B. Like, I could put Curry three. I could put Paul three. Um, I don't know. Why is Giannis getting no Gian- love at yeah, all? Yeah, I mean, I you was know about to mention he's, I looked at it today. His percentages are better across the board than they were last year. His production is down a bit. But, I mean, you're talking, what is it, 28 and a half? 11.1 boards, 5.9 assists, 1.3 blocks, 1.2 steals, true shooting of 63-3. Um, you know, the Bucks are three games out of the top spot in the East. I mean, I do think if they keep winning, and yesterday was a big win against Brooklyn, I, I kind of wonder where he's going to land on everybody's list if they, you know, surprise folks and get that top seed. I mean, he's got to be the top seed, though, because yeah. he was top seed before. Yeah. He was top you know, yeah. they won 50-something games last year, so – I feel like if if they're below top seed, that's that's equivalent of a step back, right? And Giannis Giannis needs to be helping his team go forward. I just especially to overcome Giannis fatigue, right? Like right. we're talking about a third straight MVP, right? And you've got to do something like exceptional, like Fred Katz level exceptional <laughs> to to be in that to get that level of love. And I just don't think people are are ready to anoint him, uh, you know, three in a row like that. He he hasn't done that thing that make you say, I don't want to give it to him, but I have to. Right. Because he's been that good. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure Giannis will be on my ballot. I I have to imagine I'm going to end up having him on my ballot. But Jokic is the guy, but I have to imagine I'll have Giannis on my ballot. Okay. What high. about, can you guys, Fred, can you talk to me about, about CP? I need, I need CP perspectives here. Cause I've, I've been I just, stuck in my head I just don't, one. I don't think I'm going to have him on my ballot. I just there 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 are too many. Is he the best player on Phoenix? That's the yes. problem. That's the same. It's a Utah debate. It's with I mean you know I know we talked about Gobert. Yes, he is. But it's like Rudy and and Donovan. I mean, here's I don't know. I don't. I mean, his career resume is Fred. I don't know if he is this year. It's funny. I think um, Andrew's still on the line with us, our producer. And Andrew, I listened to your pod on Saturday with Fred. Uh, you guys were breaking things down and. Andrew had a kind of a throwaway comment about how CP's season, I think he said that it was like, you know, on par with last year with OKC. And at first glance, that kind of struck me because I was like, wait, on par, like he's clearly even better than he was. And and then you go ahead and look at it and, you know, and, and I'm putting my Fred head on here. His VORP from last year to this year was his VORP. His VORP <laughs> we're going VORP. We're going value forward, over huh? replacement player, but it was 3.2. It is 3.2 this year. It was 3.5 last year. Like, so, you know, analytically he, he did more for the thunder than he's doing this year. He's had a great year, but the debt, you can't just ignore Devin. I mean, the other night 
not the it wasn't their latest game, but they had a night where Devin gives you 31. Chris, I think, had like 12 and, and eight. Uh, and that's happening a lot. I mean, Devin's been incredible. A really weird thing that I feel like is happening consistently this year is that we there's this weird thing that people feel like in order to give a player his due respect, we have to claim that he's an MVP candidate. Chris yeah, Paul is sure. having an amazing year. There's a very realistic chance I throw him on an all NBA. Don't count unless he's yeah. in the conversation. There's a very yeah, realistic chance I throw him on my all NBA teams. He is fantastic. We can have a conversation about him being the best point guard of his generation. But but I he's not he's not the MVP this year. He's having a wait, fantastic wait, Marcus, year. he just said that. Marcus, you just gonna let that go? Best point guard of the generation? He's he's a different generation than Steph. He's four years okay. earlier. Yeah, he can talk about it. He, he can talk about it. He right. said we yeah, can talk about it, right? <laughs> talk about it. We're not gonna we're not we're not gonna stand we're not gonna stand this. No, that's uh, that's uh, that's, 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 that's the new narrative that I'm starting. Now we now if we want to give respect Golden to is still available in all all stores, Amazon. Uh just saying. <laughs> um no, good stuff, gentlemen. All right, any any last uh, missives before we uh we say goodbye here? I didn't get my pick. It's Jokic. Okay. Um, what what, what do you got? Another another ballot guy who who like Giannis gets left out all the time. I'm just saying his name, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Listen, this is I told you for me it's the avail it's the uh, what Kawhi Leonard. Are you watching yeah, these Carrier exactly. Clippers right now? Are you paying Mar- attention Marcus, to the Paul George? Throw, throw Paul George. Paul George has been list. great this year. Y'all better, yeah, yeah. You better stop disrespecting PG. I'm just 13. tired of looking. Y'all talked all his head about him. And now he's been great. My favorite Paul George quote of the year was before the season when he says he needs to get back to his MVP form. Or like what what was it? He's like, I need to play like my MVP season. It was like, what? And he did. And he did, baby. I'm just gonna be honest. I'm in my feelings about Kawhi just from a basketball standpoint. I'm so sick of since we all watch on TV, I'm so sick of turning on the television and seeing a good Clippers matchup and not seeing Kawhi out there. Like it just the fan in me gets exhausted. You never know when he's playing. We started this podcast yeah, with, with a uh, Mike Trout over Mickey Mantle uh, conversation, and we're ending it with Sam Amick going on a rant about load management. So finish us off. Jerry West would never let that go. happen. <laughs> Jerry West actually is part of the team allowing it to happen. He's not in charge. He in, just advises. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Good stuff. I appreciate you all. This was a longer one, but definitely worth it. Uh, I hope everybody listening enjoyed it make sure as i pull up the tweet that you go buy dynasties available for pre-order marcus you can send me the check later uh good job man i'm proud of you another book another accomplishment just added to the resume Uh, appreciate you thank you for coming on hey you know the best part about dynasties i got a quote from sam amy on the back baby let's go yeah 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 (laughs) i felt like a big timer i felt like a big timer all right good stuff gentlemen i appreciate you Have a good one.